Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Tea Talks with Guru. We'll get to listen to some pretty good book reviews while also learning more about one of the most famous beverages in the world, tea. I'm your host, Dex Guru, and today we're going to review the debut novel of the Celestial Kingdom duology, Daughter of the Moon Goddess. This book was full of Chinese mythology and it was a worthwhile read in my books. So let's hear a bit about our tea of the day and then dive right in. Today we have Chunmi, a traditional... Chinese blend Sumatra books mean inspo. Also known as Chunmi or Zenmi, Chunmi is produced only in China and is one of the most popular green tea brews in the Western Hemisphere. Chunmi is a pan-fried tea, meaning it has a more nutty than leafy flavour, with its intensity dependent on how the tea was made. With a slightly astringent taste, it is recommended that Chunmi be enjoyed with sugar, milk or honey. And this tea, it's great for increasing mental alertness and lowering cholesterol levels. It can also help prevent cardiovascular disease, making it a really, really good herbal remedy. Okay, so now on to this book. As the name implies, Daughter of the Moon Goddess features the Daughter of the Moon Goddess, uh, Xingyin. Yeah, I've researched, I researched some pronunciations of some of these names to try and get it as close to correct as possible. So forgive me if it's still wrong. Right, so Xingyin is the daughter of the moon goddess Chang'e. And basically Chang'e, long before um, Xingyin was born, she was exiled to the moon um, as punishment for something that she did. And you find out exactly what she did later on. And Xingyin has basically lived her entire life uh, sheltered on the palace on the moon and she's only ever known her mother, Chang'e, and um, one of their servants, Ping Ye. So it's always been true of them. Uh, they have no servants, no waitstaff, they know no one else. And um, Xingyin has become kind of infatuated with the mortal realm. Uh, she sees them every day from her perch on the moon. And she's also vaguely aware that um, the celestial kingdom is beyond the borders of the moon. But she's never been there. Like I said, she's been sheltered on the moon her whole life. All she knows is the palace on the moon, her mother, Ping And then unwittingly, she unlocks her magic and uses some. And this alerts the celestial empress in the um, celestial palace that, you know, something's going on there. And fun fact, uh, Xingyin doesn't exist in their books. They don't know that she exists. So her mother has been working really hard to keep um, Xingyin under wraps and then she goes, uses her magic and unwittingly puts herself and her mother Chang'e in grave danger. So the Celestial Empress visits with Minister Wu, who's this horrible old man. And you get to see how horrible he is later on. And they um, kind of be, uh, belittle Chang'e and Xingyin obviously uh, peeks into this whole uh, kind of like dominance display and she absolutely hates how the empress looks down on her mother and whatnot and then after this her mother reveals that Hoi was um her mortal lover and he basically saved the earth from dying when he killed the nine uh firebirds that were roaming through the skies and just making the earth really dry and basically inciting um droughts and killing off humanity. So Hui was a very, very skilled archer and he shot down these nine firebirds and the celestial emperor gave him this um, elixir of immortality. And because he gifted it to Hui, uh, it was only for Hui's use. 
but while he was away um there were some complications with Shengyin's bird and Chang Yi in a fit of desperation took the elixir and drank it thus making thus rendering her and Shengyin by extension immortal and the ironclad rule is that immortals can't mix with mortals so without even getting to say goodbye Chang Yi was whisked whisked away to the moon and there she had got her sentence she was imprisoned there exiled there and uh, I guess it was assumed that Shengyin had passed away while um, her mother went from mortal to immortal. Now, clearly that wasn't the case, and Changi ends up making the really hard decision to send her daughter Shingen away, and she actually ends up in the employment of this noble family uh, under Lady Meiling. Uh, Lady Meiling has a horrible temperament. Um, she favors this one particular maid who goes out of her way to make Shingen's life just really horrible. And all Shingen wants to do is be able to gain enough power to go back to her mother and help her, like help get her out of um the moon, you know, help her regain her freedom, that sort of thing. So that's Shingen's goal. And one thing about her is that if she's very down to it, but she has her pride. She's very confident in her abilities. She knows what she's good at, she knows what she's bad at. And during one um day way Lady Meiling uh, belittles her for an ink stain that wasn't her fault. Um, Shingen goes to this river and there she meets uh, this prince, uh, Li Wei, and she doesn't know at first that he's a prince. And they get to talking, Li Wei really likes the way he, she treats him. And then when she when um, Lady Mei Ling comes to find out what's taking her so long, she realizes that okay, Li Wei is a prince based on how Mei Ling um, addressed him. And he deferred to him and he belittled her and was like, I'll take you out of your running for this competition that his mother is hosting to get him a study companion. And then Xing Yin, she, she, she sees her chance, she's like, no, you don't need to take her out, but only if I get to participate. And Lei Wei um, acquiesces her request. He's like, and at that point, Mei Ling's father ends up there and he's like, well, listen, I won't um, get your daughter out of the competition once you agree to sponsor both Mei Ling and Shingen. And because he doesn't think Shingen has a chance, his father um Mei Ling's father is like, sure, no problem. And she goes to the competition. She's the only uh lady of no standing, I guess, who's there. Well, no standing, at least known to everybody else. They all think she's just got here by luck and Lewis favour. And they all don't expect anything of her. So one of the very first um trials that they have to do is make is brew tea. And Shingen feels miserably. Uh she make she mixes up she is familiar with brewing tea, but she mixes up a little bit and the resulting brew is very, very bitter. But Lewe really wants her to win. So he says that it's the best cup of tea he's ever had and she wins. So you see that there and honestly from that get go I Lewe he earned like a strike in my book. He was like, okay, he has a strike going for me. He has something going for him. And he seemed really fun and whatnot. Do he does. I do lose my favor for him later on. But we'll get to that in a moment. Now, uh, the last um trial there is uh, this music competition between the finalists. So it's between this uh, girl who plays a Quinn and then uh, Shengyin, who she uh, is really skilled in the flutes. 
and she plays a song and moves everybody a lot and then Leo is like right I want her as my study companion she wins and the two form a really close-knit friendship that actually blossoms into a romantic relationship and it's bittersweet uh bitter because right as it starts and they like acknowledge her feelings and Shingen allows um herself to want more than just getting her mother her freedom and you know being with her she um finds out that Lewe is actually engaged to um this princess from the Phoenix Kingdom, Princess Feng Mei. And Feng Mei is just, she's meek, she's very well, uh, soft-spoken, well-mannered, and the top it all off, right before Shingen finds out officially that they're um, engaged, uh, she meets her, um, there's a bit of a spell with one of Lewe's paintings, he's really scared at painting, and both of them just agree it was the wind, they didn't see anything. So they do have a, a really nice friendship, and Feng Mei is more, um, she's actually a lot more sharp than people give her credit for because she seems so unassuming and so innocent. And then you also get to meet uh, the queen of the Phoenix Kingdom, Fengjin, Fengjin, yeah. Fenjin, Fenjin, somewhere along that lines. And at this point, Shingen, she's heartbroken, she's pissed, she doesn't really like want to be there because this is the engagement ceremony as well as a birthday celebration for Leiwei. And it's just so, like, it, it, you're just seeing a lot of um, conundrums, I guess. A lot of opposing feelings. Uh, you also get to meet um, General... Tiayun, who's an amazing guy. Later on, he actually really helps Shingen um get away from like getting executed because she incurs the heir of both the um she incurs the heir of both the celestial emperor and the celestial empress. Uh, who honestly they're just horrible people. Like, would not recommend the horrible people. And during the uh, engagement, this captain Wenchi he notices that uh. Shingen is kind of um, like struggling to control her emotions and he kind of lends her support silently. And that actually spirals on directly into Shingen going straight into the army because she's, really, she's a really skilled archer, uh, courtesy of the genes from her father. So she, and she actually um, ends up inheriting this really cool uh, bow and arrow that only certain people with like really high a divinity really high key or something to that extent um can you know use so you get to follow as she kind of finds herself after that heartbreak and whatnot um she's also really good friends with Shu Chiao Su no Su Chiao yeah Su Chiao and uh she I really like the dynamic between Su Chiao and Shingen, uh, I thought it was really adorable, and Sujiao stands by Shingen throughout, even when everybody slanders her after they think she ran away with Wenji, who, spoiler alert, um, he's, he is captain of the Celestial Army, but they also find out later on that he was actually the undercover prince of the Cloud Kingdom, um, also known as the Demon Realm, so he, uh, is basic, he basically was their... Um, as a uh, who is there because of an agreement he made with his father uh, he is actually not a legitimate child and he's trying to succeed his legitimate elder brother 
yeah. So a whole lot of drama there, uh, as you all know, Chinese light novels, if you have ever read any or any Chinese mythology in general, they're very close to real life. So happy endings are very rare, very, very rare. And uh, when she's actually the other end of this love triangle between Xingyin and um, Lu, uh, Lu Wei, and it, it just, it's just pain, it's honestly just pain, my girl Xingyin can't get a break, um, I'm hoping... I'm I'm just hoping that in this uh second book in this duology she gets some sort of ease up. Although knowing Chinese mythology, that is unlikely. Um so she actually after she has that bittersweet heart moment, uh Shingen is single mindedly focused on trying to rise through the ranks in the army to get this crimson lion talisman from the Emperor. And basically this talisman would allow the Emperor to grant her any wish that she wanted. And what she wanted was to wish that her mother's ex- um, her exile be lifted, that she be forgiven for whatever crimes she did or whatnot. So that actually sends her eventually to, this east, to the Eastern Kingdom, I believe. And she meets uh, Prince Yanzi and his little brother, who's absolutely adorable. Um, Xingyin and his little brother form a really tight bond. He, she actually saves him from this uh, evil dude some minister or the other and you actually um that was actually pretty cool as well you actually see when she um kind of worry for her as well and honestly i didn't i did not see him um i didn't see him betraying her although he was pretty shifted the first couple times they met so i should have seen it that's my bad honestly um, but other than that, I really wanted for uh her and Liwei to work out because Liwei was uh, uh he was actually a nice character. You know, usually the first character, the first something of interest they uh introduced in a book, he'd be like, there's some points that'll make you cringe, like mm, something not sounding too right. But Liwei was actually pretty good, and when she you later find out he's quite manipulative and it's just uh, you want to hit him with a shoe repeatedly. It's horrible. Um. But before she actually finds out that when she is the demon prince, they when she and Liwei actually have to go with her because though she does eventually get the crimson lion talisman for saving Liwei's life, um, when she asks that her mother be released from the moon, the celestial empress and the celestial emperor take it as an affront to them and she almost gets like sentenced to imprisonment and they weren't going to grant it but then because so many people, so many people would rank like General Tiayun and Lei Wei and when she well post uh, well pre Demon King expose. Because so many people of rank are, you know, standing up with her, speaking out for her, the Emperor realizes that well, if he says no outright, he'll look really bad, he'll kinda disrupt his standing and he doesn't want that. So he was like, okay, I will let your mother and you go in peace. If you can get the dragons that he imprisoned Ian, um, way back when for going against his rule and overstepping some boundary, uh, if, he, if you can go and get the dragons to give up their pearls, she wouldn't mind. And it sounds like a very innocent um, request until she finds out when she releases the dragons that... These pearls basically hold the essence of their being and anyone who possesses them can tell them whatever to do, can control them basically. And Shingen is many things, ambitious, determined, 
to see her mother set free and all of them like happy and whatnot but she doesn't want to do it at the cost of another living creatures like you know free will so the dragons agree to let the dragons only agree to let her have to let her specifically have their pearls because of the bow that special bow that um i spoke about earlier that she has because the only people of really high standing can hold the bow or something to that extent so uh she actually um concocts this plan to kind of outwit the emperor and she does give him the pearls sans the essence so she basically returns their fruit the fruit of that was locked in those pearls to the dragons and then gives the empty shells of the pearls to the emperor now obviously he gets pissed uh he attempts to kind of like eradicate her on spot um he does he'll try to electrocute her it doesn't work because she kind of has an affinity for lightning and then the celestial army comes and like all the entire army bows to her so this army that's supposed to answer and be loyal to the emperor and the empire is loyal specifically to one person i strongly strongly believe she may end up being like she may end up being the celestial empress at some point in the second book i'm here for it honestly because i just or like the emperor and the empress get killed somehow like they're just horrible horrible people they're really annoying but that in essence is daughter of the moon goddess uh the book is by sulin tan yes and i thought it was a really cool book if you're looking to start chinese mythology i definitely recommend it i thought it was a really fun read um and you read it pretty quickly like it's a good e- it's a good enough length to like keep your attention for a couple of days especially if you're reading it in between doing everything or like after work or school or something like that but it was really good i highly recommend it So that's the end of today's episode as always you can find this episode on others on the Acast platform which uh, distributes to Apple Podcasts and Samsung Podcasts as well as Spotify and a couple others and if you feel so obliged give me a follow at @tjoxitkudo and as always you can drop anything in my DMs on Instagram that you'd like me to review or if you want to give it a ch- shot on um review it with me feel free to DM me So that's all for today's episode guys. Bye.